color of leadership. A seat at the table. Join Dr. Anthony Rice and his more than 20 years of education. Let's talk. This is The Color of Leadership. All right. I want to welcome our audience to another episode of The Color of Leadership. I am your host, Anthony Rice, alongside my co-host, Dr. Angelique Butler. Uh, Before we cap off another great show with an extraordinary guest uh, today, and before I introduce him, I'd like to begin by addressing our audience to explain why we created such a platform so that we are able to have our listeners in the leadership world have an opportunity to be enlightened and, and get wisdom for, from some great um, administrators and some, and some great leaders. Um, the Color of Leadership platform was established to provide a forum for critical conversations with guests who are leaders and who will record and demonstrating and support underrepresented groups in public education. Uh, this extraordinary leader will share his personal journey and provide valuable information for anyone who is either a leader or who is striving to be advanced in the educational system. So without further ado, um, I would like to introduce the one and only superintendent of Moreno Valley Unified School District, uh, Dr. Martin Rex Keziora. How you doing, Martin Re- Dr. Martin Rex Keziora? How you doing, sir? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to have you. And I know, I know that you're extremely busy. And I know, um, you know, sometimes, um, you know, not a lot of superintendents do this. And I, and I'm just very grateful that I'm able to be able to work with you, because um, at a, a lot of times you're just very accessible. Uh, you make yourself available at every at every point, and you know, just for for other people's growth. And I and I truly appreciate that. But before we begin, and before I, you know, we start off with some essential questions, I wanted to just share a story if, that our audience might not even know, and how me and you met, Mr. Doctor, Mr. Martin Rex, because you're. Um, and I want to say we met at Casa, and I think Dr. Butler, you were with me at, at this time when we met. Uh, it was it was at a, I went, it was at a uh, at the conference, and it was at a. Um, and every time I talk about this, I get I, I get emotional because you you exemplify truly what a leader mm-hmm. does to and, and what you do and what you provide to people in, in terms of your leadership and your leadership style and your leadership ability. You were talking to a group of us. Um, I think it was we were talking. We we're in a schmoot 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 um, meeting, and you were just talking about a student that you. Um, came close to and you supported and helped through through his um throughout probably throughout his junior senior year and you just connected with him and when I was sitting there and I was listening to that story that you had I was just like captivated and I just and I was tapping Dr. Butler and I was like do you hear this because we worked in a similar district uh before for uh, uh, many years together but those type of things that you are doing alongside with 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 students and your teachers and your administrators and, and and it was just amazing and for me that I tapped her and said hey I want to work for this dude I really want to work for him <laughs> I said I want to work for him and every time I tell this story it, it it makes me emotional because I've never met anyone like you I've never met anyone like you who just you just care so much about people I mean and that uh, so it's just I just I'm grateful that you're here. But I know today you're going to share with us, you know, just your journey. I know we we've talked a lot about um, some of your milestones. But Dr. Kezior, I really want you to kind of share with our audience your personal and professional milestones that you've had to reach to becoming a superintendent. 
<laughs> well, um, you know, I'm 62, so I've been in education for 40 years. Got it. Uh, I started teaching when I was 21. And uh, so, you know, I did never know I wanted to be a superintendent. I never set out for that. Uh, I think that the only thing I really ever wanted to be was a principal. And I really never wanted to be a teacher. Um, I didn't know you had to be one. Uh, I found that out when I was in college. I told everybody when I was in high school that I was going to run that place one day. And um, that's what I said. And that's what I thought I was going to do. And when I went to college, uh, they told me I had to teach first. And that's the first time I ever knew that. Nobody ever said that to me. Um, and and then I figured out what I was going to teach. And I decided to be a special education teacher because it was 1979 or so. Um, the Education for Handicap Act had just been passed in 1975. And all of the students uh, that were in special ed, I didn't even know they existed or that even <laughs> that even happened, uh, that they were in segregated schools. And much like the segregated South, uh, you know, I went to an integrated high school through forced busing, but I didn't realize that these students were still segregated. Wow. And so um, it kind of intrigued me because I thought to myself, uh, why aren't they in why would they have to go to a separate school? But, yeah. you know, uh, I learned about that. And, uh, but then I, you know, I also taught English and cause I like, you know, literature and reading and, and uh, discussing it. But uh, I, mo I mainly taught special education because every time somebody found out I had a special ed credential, I mean, I quickly was changed into a special education class or something. But through those classes, um, I learned a lot that helps me today. Uh, even though they were included uh, in the school, they, were, they weren't included. Uh, you know, when I was a teacher, I'd go to the principal and I'd say, I need something. He'd say, well, you're a special ed. Uh, we, don't, we don't give your classes that. Uh, parents often felt like they were, well, they still do, and I see why. Uh, they, have to, they have to get mad about everything to get so much attention <laughs> and that shouldn't be. And yeah. anyway, I just learned a whole lot about this. And so then um, when I, when I um, was, it when I was a teacher in the South, uh, I also noticed that most of my classes that I had were, were mostly African-American. And I'd say to my principal, like at one school, I said, uh, I think there's a problem here because the school's not predominantly black, but the class that I have is predominantly black and there's special mm -hmm. education and they're all boys. And I think I told you this, Anthony, one time that she said if God wanted them somewhere else, he would have put them somewhere else. Exactly. I said, her, I said to her, well, I don't think God put them here. I think we did or somebody here did. And yeah. uh, he's probably praying that we do something about it. You know. But anyway, uh, so, you know, that's why I left the South for one of the reasons. And I moved to California in, in 1988 and uh, went to work in Montana. And I'd never, uh, I'd never heard the word Hispanic before. That was new to me. And I, I didn't know um, there, there was such a, a, you know, group of people. And so then I learned about just a lot of issues with English learners. I was given at that time every English learner in that school to work with because I had a special ed background. 
And I said to the principal, well, I'm not an English learner teacher. I don't know. He goes, well, you're a special ed. Anybody can work with them. And I thought, no, actually, they can't. Yeah. And I don't even know their language, you know. <laughs> but, but I did the best I could. But, you know, I just think sometimes when people uh, don't realize the significance of what they're doing, they just, they just think anything will work. Yeah. And I, and I don't think that's, you know, I think there's more to it. So anyway, uh, I became an administrator in 1993 in San Bernardino City Schools. And I uh, was a coordinator in special ed. I'd left from being a resource specialist. And I, I always wanted to be a principal. But anyway, I became a coordinator Got and uh, special ed. And that's how I met Dr. White. And uh, he was the principal of Emerton Elementary School. And uh, so I went there one day for an IEP. And I said, they were all talking about this little girl, how bad she was. And I said, gosh, and I, I just left the classroom and I couldn't believe like everybody was so, I mean, she was a little girl. She was in yeah. third grade and I thought, Lord. Uh, yeah. So I decided to go have lunch with her. And so I, I said to Dr. White, I'm, I came here to have lunch with whatever her name was. And uh Dr. White said, you're going to have lunch with her? And I said, well, everybody was talking about her at that meeting. And I said, I think we should know her first. We're making all these decisions about her because her grandmother's raising her. You know, her mother left. And I don't think people really know her. And anyway, I just got to know this little girl. Now, Dr. White said to me, uh, you're, I don't know if you're going to be able to do this with every kid here in the district. And I said, <laughs> I don't know if I can either, but I'd sure like to try as much yeah. as I can. And I said, you know, I just remember I, being a special ed teacher and I was an advocate for my kids and I mm -hmm. would protect them from all of these things. And yeah. it just like makes me a little uneasy that, I mean, that I don't see that, you know, and I, yeah. I think we have to model what we expect. Yeah. So Dr. White, you know, said, okay. And she was a little just amazed by it. And uh, so anyway, you know, life goes on. You know, I continue to work there. I became a principal of an alternative ed school, uh, a <laughs> superintendent when I had a disagreement and he wanted to teach me a lesson. So he made me the principal of the first community day school. And uh, I think he thought that I wasn't going to do well. And I was kind of scared, to be honest with you. But I know that it's all about relationships. So yeah. I took the kids in. They'd never been back. They, they'd been in county schools and court schools. They'd never been, they, they were just bringing them back to public school. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just started to meet them one by one, you know, and get to know them. Mm -hmm. And then I would figure out things that they needed. And uh, through that, they, they really protected me. But I just, I never had a big problem there. You know, like people kept thinking I was going to have these big problems. But, uh, I mean, we had our days, but they weren't, it wasn't anything I couldn't, you know, address. And, uh, you know, Daryl Scott, the director of community, the director of safety, well, he was yes, my sir. SRO. And uh, so Daryl would say, I think you better uh, back off from that girl because she, I, you know, and I'd say, oh, she's fine. But I, I kind of like never, I, even though I may have been a little uh, afraid of some of them I never showed them that and they would they would kind of like look at me sometimes like are you for real you know and I'd be like 
I just want you to do better. That's what I tell them. I just want you to do better. I want to help you and I want you to succeed. And I want I want to listen to you. And sometimes they tell me stuff that was, you know, I couldn't do anything about. But I'm glad they told me because if I didn't know it, I wouldn't understand them. And I think sometimes we don't listen to people enough or hear them or hear their story. And we they think we're busy and why would I care? But I think just the times that I spent, you know, just listening to their whatever, they, they would always say to me, I'm so glad you, you, you know, would let me talk about that. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, you know, but I, I would always be like, I'm so sorry I heard it. I'm so sorry I learned it. I mean, I didn't say that out loud, but that's the way I felt. It, it touched me. But I think, I'm, you know, when you talk about I'm very responsive to children and things, I, I think that that's a lot of the reason is that experience there with students that I think a lot of people didn't really realize their potential and what they what they possessed. And so then I left there and I went to be a middle school principal in Morongo out in the desert in Yucca Valley. I know it's like no one can believe it, but I've always lived in Moreno Valley, but I just drove everywhere. And uh, I went there because I, I had a friend that was an assistant superintendent and she wanted me to come out there, so I did. And I didn't know how long I'd yeah. be there, but I was there three years. And then I went to Hemet uh, as a as a director of professional development. And uh, I didn't really ever think about that either. But someone called me and told me about the job, and I applied and I got it. I didn't know anybody there, but uh, and then I then Dr. White came here to Maria Valley, and uh, when she came, uh, she asked me to come. To, to work with her here. Now we hadn't seen each other in years since I'd left San Bernardino. So I was kind of surprised that she could have chosen anybody to be her assistant superintendent of ed services. There were experienced people who applied, uh, 29 people. And uh, wow. she chose me. And I kept thinking, I couldn't believe it when she did it. <laughs> but he said, uh, I asked Dr. Delgado, who was the superintendent in, he was out in L.A. County. I asked him who I should choose, and he, he told me, choose someone who you trust mm-hmm. and that you really knows knows that's going to do what you need, you know, as a mm-hmm. superintendent. And she said, I just thought of you and that girl that day in that when you did that IEP and how you had lunch with her and you, you weren't really you weren't really concerned what other people knew. You were concerned what she knew about you. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, really, that from that moment on, I just always thought of you in a different way. And, and other experiences, like when I worked at the community day school, she said, when you, I had a luncheon at the end of the year for the whole district office and they served everybody and everybody was like, I can't believe these kids are doing this. And I, thought, I can't believe they're doing it either, but they are. And, uh, <laughs> but they were so proud of themselves. And, um, you know, no one could believe what they had done. And, I, and Dr. White said, you know, you never did it because you were trying to advance or anything. You just did it because you just did what you thought would make them be better people yeah. or the best versions of themselves. So then when I came here, uh, you know, I don't know if y'all know this, but people told Dr. White and myself, uh, they said, um, don't go there. It'll be the end of your career. Wow. So I said to Dr. because they had a series of you know cabinet members and people had come wow. and gone. And so I said to Dr. White, I said, um, 
are you worried about, uh, I told her what people were saying. She said, oh yeah, I've heard that. And she said, but we're not, we're not done. She says, well, this is not the end of our career. And I said, how do you know that? She says, you know, I know. He, he lets yeah. me know. And I'm like, you know, she's very spiritual. Yeah. And uh, she used to say to me when, when we worked with her, now, I want to pray with you, but if you don't want to do this, you don't have to do it. And I'd say, no, I pray. I just had none of it work lately, but I will. Uh, and I thought to myself, I don't care. I think we need to do whatever we can in this place, the way I felt at that moment. But um, she was really, uh, I was very impressed how she came into a system that didn't believe, to a system that came to believe that they were better than they thought they could be. Hmm. And uh, so when she decided to be the county superintendent or go for that, she called me. It was New Year's Eve, and it was 2017, going to be 2017. And she said, where are you? And I said, I'm at BJ's Restaurant in, in Reno Valley. And uh, she said, well, I just want you to know something. She said, I'm going to go for the county superintendent, and, I, and I'm going to tell the board I want you to be superintendent. And I go, well, I don't think I'm ready for that. And I said, I really don't think that. I'm ready for you to leave. And she says, well, I think I'm going to leave. I, I feel like this is what's going to happen. I used to love that when she'd tell me this too, I'd be like, okay, you know, and, <laughs> and, and I think the board really likes you and they really would like for you to be the superintendent. Wow. Well, she was right on all counts. Yeah, she and, was. And I, and I didn't ever see myself being a superintendent. I, I really didn't. And so when I became one, many people said to me, you're still the same person. You're, you didn't change yeah. or anything. You're just, you're just authentic. You're just yeah. the same person. And, you know, I remember when I was a person in the district as an employee and I'd walk by a superintendent and I'd say hello to them or something and they didn't say anything back, mm -hmm. how that felt. And so I speak to everyone on every campus from mm -hmm. the, yeah. you know, the custodian to the I mean, even when they're doing the grounds out here, I stop and thank them. I even take water yeah. outside on the weekend because I just remember thinking, do they know what I'm doing? Do they care what I'm doing? And how much yeah. that means to the organization, you know? So yeah. that's kind of how I got here. And, you know, I, I'm not telling you everything because you ain't got time. But, uh, I, but I, I, I mean, but Dr. Like, but Dr. Kezior, okay. you you model that. I mean, and everything that you're saying, you model, you 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 totally model that, and you exemplify that in in terms of how you deal with people, and and you are relational. And I think, um, in terms of my leadership style as well, is, is I'm a relationship person as well, and I think that's how you really motivate people in terms of how they want to navigate this system. And and a lot of times, especially um, people of color, especially males and men of color who are trying to get into leadership positions, a lot of times we do face barriers, right? We do face barriers regardless if it's just trying to be a superintendent, regardless of trying to be a principal, uh, whatever we're trying to um, accomplish. Can you kind of share with us um, some of the barriers or challenges you face um, in your path to become a superintendent? Well, I think that... Um I don't, you know, that's the other part. I mean, I did have people that, you know, tried to trip me. 
that, got that got in the way. Got I didn't know that. Got I didn't it. really always see that, but they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, got it. And, and people, you know, sometimes when they think that, like, I'll give you an example. When I was in Hemet, I had a quick rise to fame. Uh, I don't know why, but, you know, I'm a doer. I make things happen. So within two years, I was the district employee of the year. Well, uh, a girl in my office, um, she called the superintendent and said that I had been sexually harassing her. Now, wow. this is the same day that I'm employee of the year. It's now. Wow. Now, if I hadn't had this, this superintendent that knew things, so he said to me, now, I just want you to know something. There's a reason why she called today and said it. Mm. And she waited until this moment. He said, I'm not saying that you didn't do something, but I am saying that I've seen this happen. And so I just want you to know that it's going to be okay. Got it. So uh, I had, you know, I'm from the South and I'm not excusing myself, but one day there were some men working on the building on top of the roof and they were whistling. And I looked at Holly and I said, Holly, I don't think they're whistling at me. I think they're whistling at you. And uh, I said, you might want to wait. And uh, I was just being, I thought, funny, nice. But, you know, I didn't know. She didn't say it bothered her. And and so then one day I had her kids. uh, She brought them to an event where I was at. And they, they started talking to me. And her kids wanted to help me. And so they helped me clean up the room when it was over with. It was a you know, some professional development. And then she said that I used her children as, as her, my minions, as she put it. And, <laughs> wow. and uh, that, you know, I just, uh, you know, didn't even have any respect for her as a mother, but I didn't even ask for anything. And, you know, wow. I, 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 I am different because of that experience about how I do things, but uh, I'm still friendly. I just don't say things that I probably, you know, shouldn't say. And, uh, you know, you don't know that everybody's receptive to everything that you mm-hmm. think or feel. And when you, and you, and sometimes I'm more familiar with people mm-hmm. than I should be because that's the way I grew up. And I think I knew everybody. I thought everybody was, you know, Got it. I, I don't meet a stranger, but, uh, in today's world, you know, you have to be real mindful of, um, that people come from different perspectives, and backgrounds, and feelings, and may not always receive you the way that you want to be received. And so that was that was pretty big, you know. But I, I'm just grateful for my superintendent, and that's why I say, you know, as a superintendent, you know, you have to see both sides of, of, of controversy, both sides of a conflict, and see how you can help people uh, become better because of that conflict. But not yeah. to, I think people should have to suffer unless it's something that, you know, you know, you're supposed to do something more serious. But uh, I, I think that I try to help people, uh, you know, just be more, be, be, you know, that's why I developed those 11 commitments, listen to understand, uh, because I think sometimes people arrive at a decision. And I used to watch Dr. White, I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. when I was cabinet, there was a time one day when somebody she wanted to hire somebody and somebody said uh, um, they have a lawsuit against another district. And uh, Dr. White said, and that I shouldn't hire her because of that. And they said, well, 
do you want she says you don't know me you don't know what i've been through with my own children you don't know what i that was like <laughs> i just you know sometimes people when they have these um they, they they think that there are certain things they shouldn't do because these things have happened and i think sometimes that i'm glad that i had her mindset because um it's helped me i remember those things that she did and how she was more um she was more inclusive in her thinking and how she brought people forward instead of excluding she tried to find a way to include and not look at it like it was a barrier yeah but she could she could develop people i think she did that for me i i know that i wouldn't be sitting here today if it weren't for her mindset so I try to remember that because, you know, I I didn't always do well in interviews. I, I like to talk, as you can tell. Uh, <laughs> I would I would go off on tangents, and then they'd be like, you know, roll their eyes. Let me answer the question. <laughs> uh, I want to talk to them, you know. And yeah. uh, so, but she, uh, I saw her do that with people, and uh, I still see her do it. And uh, it has had an impact on me, um, you know, in, in how I operate and what I do, because I'm much more thoughtful about when there's a situation, I try to really take some time and look at it and not say that, you know, that, you know. Dr. K, I, I, I don't know you personally. Um, I, I'd like to jump in because I'm listening to what you're saying. Um, and as Dr. Rice said, um, I met you from afar. Um, again, as he mentioned, the session that we uh, saw you in at CASA several years ago, and it was, there was a young man that you had basically taken um, under your wing. Um, and I watched the way your staff in the session uh, all shook their head in agreement. Um, and that's powerful. It's powerful for, uh, when you're watching um, something like this as an aspiring administrator, as at that time as I was, to see, you know what, not only um, do we probably hear that the community is, you know, very, very much um, thankful for you, your administrators, your people that work for you, and that's huge. Um, I listened to a lot of what you said, and you, you talked about, you know, at the time, you know, uh, special ed and watching some of the injustices, you saw that. You know, um, I think one of the things that speaks real, real speaks volumes is, you know, even if you're afraid or you don't know, you have a, uh, a curiousness about yourself in terms of, well, how can we change this? Or that I'm going to do something different. Whereas, like they were said, you know, you don't, you don't, who takes a, who takes a student out to lunch when everyone else is saying all these things, and you've got someone that says, I'm going to take that student out to lunch because I'm, I want to get to know that individual on a different level and really understand what's happening uh, in this young person's life. And so again, another huge thing that, that is very important. Um, you mentioned the fact that uh, you had a role model in, in, in Dr. White. You watched the way, uh, um, you know, Judy White, you watched the way White, you watched the way she did things. Um, she believed in you. She believed in you when uh, others, when, even when you didn't think you were ready. You know, but of yeah. course, she saw some of these things. Um, yeah. I'm going to say this to you, too, that although I don't know you personally, um, you know, we, we I, I continue to hear some of the great work 
that's happening in Moreno Valley. Um, I, I, my last AXA um, article, there was something about how you um, opened up the schools, welcomed the students back. Each, 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 each school had some type of something that they were going to do that was going to welcome students back. Again, you have a large district, not a lot of, not a lot of, and I'm, again, not to, not to put anybody else out there, things that are just, you know, I would, I would say, I won't say unheard of, but things that touch people's hearts. Uh, I run data, you know, I looked at, you know, you can find CD, CD, you CD, uh, CD data, everything, right? Um, we're particularly talking about African-Americans and, and leadership. And you have a very, very impressive uh resume when it comes to that too. Basically, I, you know, I looked and, and, and you have a resume that again, in terms of African-American administrators, that, that really, you know, um, you're, you're, you're at, at 13%, which is, yeah, it, it mirrors, it mirrors your community. And that yeah. again, it's, it's at the County, it's less than a percent at the state it's less than a percent. So those are things that resonate uh, with with people, um, you know, that I think it, it shows that you make decisions based on just who people are, as you talked about building capacity and building relationships. So you definitely, um, again, are someone that 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 I think as a as a, a role model, as you have you yeah. add to others, to other people that are aspiring, to other superintendents. Yeah. Um, and so I just wanted to personally commend you on that. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, kind of rolls into question number three, Dr. Yeah. Rice, what would you, you had a question for that? Yeah. So as we segue into that and, and, and just to, and me and Dr. Keziar speak all the time and, and I, and I, and I hope he understands how genuine I am. And I, and I know when we speak, Dr. Kezior, you you are a role model for me because I, I I just didn't realize how much we share some so much of the I'm not there yet, but so much of the same um, attributes in terms of I don't interview well either, but when it comes to doing the work and doing the job, I know exactly what I need to do and how I need to do it, and because I'm good with working with people, and you you see you saw that in me, and I think you saw that in me so many years ago. And so that to me is just why I really wanted to have an opportunity to interview you and have you be on this podcast, because I think people need to hear that. The things that you're doing in terms of for the district are just amazing. And I know sometimes it's, 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 it's difficult, you know, cause you're always in the, in the brunt of everything, but I think sometimes people need to hear that. And I think today was a good opportunity for you to hear it. That's why I wanted you on this show, but to segue into what Ms. Dr. Butler was saying, my question would be, what advice can you give to hiring entities to assist in attracting more African-American males into education and leadership positions? Well, I think that, you know, I'm, you're always, you, you, I mean, myself, I'm always looking for students and people to uh, develop and to, and to give, to, to build their capacity. I mean, uh, I have interns that work in my office. I don't know if you know that, Anthony. Yeah. yeah I do. But uh, I, I am purposeful about the representation. Uh, I talk a lot about that when I'm in here in cabinet with people about how many how many blacks are on that interview panel, how many Hispanics are on that interview panel, how many whites, 
how many females, how many males. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, check that. And I talk to people about it because I say, when people go into a room, if they see all white people and all, you know, uh, people that don't look like them, sound like them, you know, have, you know, they start to make assessments about themselves. In fact, they may even think, I don't have a chance here. So they have to feel like they have a chance when they come in the room. And that's why there needs to be people that, you know, are trying to help them do their very best. Another thing that I do, Anthony, to applicants when they are coming to the second level to interview with the superintendent, I call those people the night before the interview. Hmm. And I tell them, I, I, I say, you know, I'm calling every applicant, but I'm calling you because I want you to do a great job tomorrow. Hmm. And I want you I want you to know we're looking forward to seeing you. And uh, we, we want to we want to know everything we can about you. There's a reason why you're going to the second level. And uh, I want you to just be comfortable. And anyway, that helps them a great deal. They always say when we're glad he called me and told me, you know, I tell tell them exactly who's going to be in the game. And because I I know that I remember how I felt, you know, when I interviewed for these positions, Uh, I didn't know who was going to be in here. I didn't know who they were. And you're more yeah. focused on that sometimes than answering the question. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important. But I also think, Anthony, another thing, and I've told you this, is to reach out and get uh, coaching before you interview. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I had to learn when I interviewed for this position as assistant superintendent, the person that is helping, you, you know, with many people in our district, LaFay Platter, she yeah. was my deputy superintendent in Hammond. And she sat me down and she started practicing with me. And she'd say, you're not going to say that. That is not how you're going to answer that. (laughs) But uh, she was right. And, you know, I I really listened because the higher you go in or the positions like this, there's there's fewer of the positions in a school district. And, you know, there's there's several people who'd like to put it. So you have to be your you have to be your very very best version of version of yourself, and that's important to get coaching and to get feedback. And so that's why I tell people they can call me before they interview, and I will coach them if they call me. I tell I tell anybody that, uh, yeah. And I uh, tell people I even if I can't get to them, I I have other people I can let them. I say you should work with Miss So and So, you know. Uh, they can help you. And in, in one interview that we just did, the principal of that school really coached that individual, and I could tell. But coaching is, you know, just like Anthony, you're a sports person. You know, you're. I mean, I've read your resume. Uh, you know, you you you've been the coach of a football team. Well, you know that that football team is not going to do well if they don't have like feedback, if they don't get yeah. information, if somebody's not telling them about how to, you know, what plays to do. Yeah. And, I just know from Lafay, you know, Platter, uh, because she helped me. I, I yeah. don't know that I'd be sitting here. I mean, maybe I would, but I just want you to know everyone said what a great job I did in those interviews. And it was because of her. And even though I wanted to do something different, I did what she said. Yeah, <laughs> and, no, you're right. And I think, so, you know, we have to really know that when we go into that room, we just have so much time to, to you know, connect with people and we have to we have to answer the questions but in a way that connects people and and shows our how we benefit the organization 
Yeah. I do think it's important too to do networking and get to know people. Like I met you at that conference and yeah. you know, uh, you know, I think those things are important and valuable. I, I, I do think that, you know, I have people that come in and, and make, they make appointments with me to talk about their professional growth and, yeah. and just to, um, you know, see where, what their next step is. And I encourage that, you know, I, I, I think that people should, you know, meet with the decision makers and, you know, see what they're thinking. And, and then it gives me a chance to get to know them too in a, in a, in a better way. Yeah. Now I just had a, you know, I just had a, a, a young lady that became a principal in Redlands, Tamika Morris. I don't know if you know her, Anthony. No, I haven't and met her. She was an assistant principal at Badger Springs and, She's African-American and she's a parent in our district. She came from Rialto and, you know, I met her through the interview. And anyway, she'd been wanting to be a principal. I told her, do not stop applying. Keep applying. Don't give up. And she applied in Redlands and they called me and they said, uh, you know, we're really interested in her. And I said, you should be. And I said, here's why. And I, I said, I know her well. She's coming to see me several times. And I know the superintendent there. And he's, and then the board president called me, and I know her too. And uh, she said, this will be a very difficult position uh, for her. And I said, oh, why? And she said, well, the staff, you know, the students, they've got some problems there. I said, well, she's the right person. I said, but yeah. you have to support her. Oh, I said, yeah. don't expect her to go in there on her own and do it. There needs to be a team of people that are with her as she does it. And yeah. I think that's important. You know, you don't do this a lot. I think Dr. White, I think she knew when she came here that she had to have certain people in order to change this environment. And she was very, yeah. uh, you know, selective about who she chose and why. But I also feel like that for many African-American principals and just people in leadership, uh, sometimes uh, I see it because I'm, you know, I just know I've been around. Uh, they, they sometimes... Um, are not as um, what's the word respected respectable uh, they're not as re- received well received or yeah or, like dr white for instance i'll give you an example she used to include me in a lot of her meetings i didn't know why she did sometimes i used to be like mm. i'm not in here but, <laughs> she wanted she wanted me in here and there and then they would then they would they would ask me first but they'd ask her something they would say well, uh, what do you think and i would say well, Dr. White's the superintendent. I think we should really find out what she thinks first. Yeah. Um, and Dr. White said, you know, I didn't do that because of that, but there's a lot of people who wouldn't have done what you did for me. And yeah. uh, I didn't always know, you know, that, that how much that meant to her. Mm. But it also meant something to me, too, because, you know, I believe in uh, protocol and you know, people being you know mindful of who's the decision maker, and I, I'm not, I wasn't the decision maker. Doctor White was, mm-hmm. and uh, but I, it made me see something there that I know that sometimes, like I've watched it at schools, they'll walk past an African American mm-hmm. administrator and say, "Who's the principal?" And I'll say, "This is right there." <laughs> That's something else, you know. So. Yeah. And that has an effect on people. But I, yeah. I would say that, you know, like in our 11 commitments, um, that you have to take care of yourself before you take care of others. And you have to know that it's okay. It's not okay that they do that. But how you respond to it, 
you have to move, you have to keep moving forward and and let them know that you know i mean i mean just that you're that's i mean you can't let it affect you you can't let it yeah. bring you down like there's this principal in our district she's hispanic mm-hmm. and she gets a lot of grief from different people but she's also very confident i told i told her i said you know don't lose that because you really have a presence here. You're a great role model for, for other women here. Mm-hmm. And don't feel like you have to be so friendly with the good old boys, sort of speak, just to yeah. get with them. I said, because really it'll, it'll not make you feel good and it won't be you. And it's okay to be you. And I think that people have to know that. And, but other people have to make them feel that way too. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, as I listen, and there's some things that you said, and I'm going to try to just, you know, for our listeners, when I hear you say as a superintendent, you look for a balanced panel. That's the first thing you do. You want to make sure that people that are being hired feel supported from day one, that when I'm interviewing, and of course we all have done that, it's, it's very, it's nerve wracking and uh, it can be quite defeating to be um, a candidate and not see someone who looks like you on the panel. So that's huge. Uh, you do something that I, I haven't heard, and I think it's it's definitely um, worth repeat. You know, worth noting is that you you will call candidates the night before to to kind of ease them of any um, as I say fear, or just to learn a little more about you know maybe any questions they may have, or just to to put them at ease, which is very very uh, huge. Um, and so you know you you talked about um, that you also will make sure that. Um, the, the, as a as a candidate, you're letting them know that a part of it, and uh, you know, is you know, you can don't don't be afraid of going to get coaching, right? To to interview coaching prior uh, to get to to be able to be well received, uh, because of course, um, I'm sure as a, a person of color, uh, if you're a male, African American male, you, you know that there are not many. But again, you also if you're being, you know, if you're reaching out and saying, you know what, maybe, maybe I can um, go get a little coaching. It's coaching, it's networking, things that you talked about. Um, and you also, I thought, uh, and, and, and so that part of that is about letting, uh, having the person who's obviously going to interview, letting them know it's also about letting the, letting the district or who, wherever they're, they're interviewing know how they can benefit the system, which is huge. Um, you talk about um, speaking to, um, you know, employees about what their professional, you know, what is your professional growth? Let the decision makers know what you're looking at, what you're, if you're interested in being a principal or assistant principal going into administration and you're a teacher, you've got to let it be known. And yeah. people there that obviously are decision makers that can help you get to where you want to be. And then last but not least, you know, the, the coaching aspect of uh, making sure that you um, continue to coach, you see um, an assistant principal and you say, hey, you know, I've noticed this about you and this is what I see in you. Don't feel whatever way you're feeling about, um, you know, because we get caught up sometime in what we what we think others want to see. And sometimes, you know, th- that's probably not the most important thing is just be yourself, as you say. So I, I've obviously taken that to what you're saying and me personally will, will, you know, keep that in my the forefront of what, you know, I, I would want yeah. to do. Um, and I think others can learn from that. 
you know, yeah. as, as listening, others can learn from that. Those, those, those several things that you mentioned. So yeah. thank you for that, that, that those things are very huge. Yeah. Well, so Dr. Know, Kit, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dr. K. Tara, go ahead. Go ahead. Another big piece of that is, you know, I didn't get here on my own. Absolutely. Other people helped me get here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know that. And so I think that is true of anything. I, I don't think you get there on your own. And I think you have to have a support group, a team of people, whether they're, it's explicit, but there's a team of people that are always helping. Like I let people text me, you know, like I, my, everybody has my cell phone and I want them, if, if whatever they're feeling, they can tell me. Now, I'll say something back sometimes, or I'll try to find a time to say something back. But I do that with students, you know, that in our district that I know have problems and things. I tell them not to fight, not to cuss someone out. I said, you can text me, and I will, I will say something back. And I said, I want to help you. And it's a technique. And kids like that because they, they want to have a way that they can save themselves or redeem themselves. Adults do too. But I think sometimes, you know, in education, we've been really private about our cell phone or whatever. I never have. I've never seen it abused. But I just think you have to give people ways to communicate, ways to connect, ways to you know be part of what we're doing instead of feeling separate or alienated or or I have to go through 17 people to get to someone. You know? Yeah. Connectedness yeah. is very important. No, that's very important. Dr. Kezio, are you you you've given us so much, so many tools and so much information and so much wisdom today. And I just want you to we're gonna end off on this this last this last question. And and I'm and I'm speaking predominantly to um, African American males. I know I have Miss Butler here with us if you want to say something about African American females as well, but I'm talking specifically about African American males. Um, I just want to know what advice do you have for African American males who desire to advance in educational leadership? Well, I, I just think that they, I, I want people to, you know, Dr. White told me this one time, but, you know, when you change one person, you change a community. Absolutely. And uh, I, that's the story I told you all about that student that I helped, Oliver. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize what I was doing. Uh, I just did it because I mm -hmm. said, this is not the way this story is going to end. But uh, uh, when I did it, Dr. White, you know, said to me, uh, I really you know, appreciate that you just did that without like hesitation. Mm -hmm. And I think the part I want people to know, especially African-American people, uh, you know, I guess, you know, that you have more allies than you realize mm -hmm. and that people do want you to succeed. And I do. And, uh, you know, I'm in a position now, I, you know, I didn't know I was going to be in this position, but since I am, uh, Wherever I can and whatever I, whenever I can, I make sure that I'm listening and I'm helping and I'm changing. I'm giving someone something better than what they came in with. Hmm. And uh, I, I just think that people have to know, yeah, like, I, just like I have to get to know people, I want people to know, get to know other people. Don't, don't feel like because they're white or they're, and from another, like some of my, Dr. White one day, she said to me, I said, why does everybody think I'm an only child and that I'm rich? <laughs> I said, because I'm one of five children and we did not grow up rich. And she says, because you act rich and you act like you're an only child. <laughs> I do? She said, oh yeah, you want it your way. <laughs> I said, oh, 
but you know, I, I didn't realize that always, but you know, and I, I do like to dress nice, but I don't want people to think because when you dress nice that you're not, you know, I, I just think people have to know that people, people really want to, to talk to each other. They really want to connect mm-hmm. and don't feel like that. Another thing is we've all got stories. We've all had experiences. Yeah. We may not look like we have, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that happen in a, in a lifetime. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm 62 and I can tell you that there's a lot of scars on my heart and there's a lot of, um, you know, things I've learned in my mind from what I've, what I've seen and done. Um, I mean, I was telling a story the other day because, um, you know, the, the incident at Valley View with the cheerleaders. And I was telling the principal at Temecula High School, I said, you know, I didn't always know this, Alan. But everybody doesn't experience life the way we experience it. Mm-hmm. When people come to your school and you have all these rituals and you have all these things that you do, you think everybody does that, but everybody doesn't. And mm-hmm. I said, so when kids come from another district where they're maybe, and I said, you know, Marino Valley, when people say they live here, I mean, I know because I live here, they say you do. I mean, we're already like treated like less than. <laughs> and then they go to, then they go to Temecula and, See, I can go down there and I'm like, you know, I can kind of blend in, I guess, you know. I said, where they come in, they don't blend in, they stand out. And so when they stand out, what do you do? Do you elevate them? Do you connect them? Do you do you go over and communicate and say how glad you are to see them? Make them feel, you know, valued and appreciated? Yeah. Because they came with, they didn't come with that feeling. Yeah. If you didn't know that, it's not your fault, but you do now and you can do something about it. Yeah. And it's the same way I said, I grew up in a uh, forced busing. They closed the African-American high school and bust all the kids into our school. And I told those kids when I, when they came, the principal said, get out there and tell those kids how proud we are to see them and how happy we are. They're here. And we were out there in those halls doing that. And this girl said to me, why are y'all so happy we're here? Hmm. And I said, wow. aren't we supposed to be? And she said, we didn't want to come here. <laughs> Closed our school. We had. <laughs> she said, "I hope y'all are going to be happy. We're here because we ain't got no choice." But wow. it, made, it made me think about something because mm-hmm. we think we know how people feel. We think we know best. Mm-hmm. We think we're going to take care of them. When in yeah. fact it wasn't their choice. They didn't know what they were supposed to do when they got there, and nobody was telling them anything. Yeah. So I told him, you know, when you play a school that doesn't have your same, you know, demographics or whatever, mm-hmm. you have to think about all of your behaviors mm-hmm. because you never know how they're received or how they're interpreted. And you might yeah. think this noise is that noise and they might not think it's that noise. Mm-hmm. But you have to, that's just important. And I said, people should feel like, you know, they shouldn't have to, well, they, like somebody said, well, that's how they do things there, but that's not how they do things. Mm-hmm. They can do things differently. And that's been shown over time how to be more culturally sensitive and culturally inclusive. And I said, you know, your children, and I told them this, have a special responsibility because they've been given more in many instances to do more and to do better and to and to show that the, you know that they understand or that they're. It's just not our kids come and you keep doing what you're doing and hope they figure it out. You know. Yeah, that, that's great. That's that's great to 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 uh, be able to have a conversation with someone who looks like you, 
and share some of your uh, insight in terms of, like you just said, you know, uh, your, your, your students have a special responsibility. Um, they've been yeah. given opportunities that others haven't been given. They don't see things the way that you see things. And so, yeah. um, and, and that's, that's, that's progressive. It's, it's, I, I, and it shouldn't be, but I mean, you know, it should be what we just do. Right. But a lot of people don't do that. So, um, you've obviously, um, you know, you have a huge responsibility, uh, and, and it has been bestowed upon you because as a superintendent, everybody doesn't have, um, what you have and have that heart that you have uh, to be able to continue to build relationships and reach out to even people that are, um, as I said, uh, at the level that you are and, and share um, some of your insights. So that, yeah. that I think in itself is really big. I just hope like, like when you ask what we should tell African-American or, I mean, we have, yeah. we need, we need more African-American you know, leaders. We need more, uh, all kinds of leaders, but we need more African-American. Uh, our African-American students do not perform, uh, we know, at the level of other students on those tests, but I think they perform in many ways. Like our graduation rate is 90%. You know, high, it's higher than the African-American graduation rate is higher than other groups. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud of that because we've worked on it. But I, I, I think that People need to know we need them and we want them and we want to help them get to where they want to be. And I think by getting to know each other and connecting and getting coaching and feedback, I just think before an interview is so important. You know, I don't mean just wait for an interview, get to know someone ahead of time. Yeah. Like Tamika, she would come in and see me. She came in and saw me twice. She was a new employee and she told me what she wanted. Yeah. And so I knew. And so when they called, you know, from Redlands, I was like, yeah, she's, that, that she's prepared for that. It is yeah. her next step. And they told me that she'd be their first African-American principal at a middle school wow. or a high school. And I said, well, you're definitely choosing the right person. But I did say this to them. You have to support her. She will not be able to do this without your support. And I don't mean in the traditional support. I mean, being present for conversations, being supportive of difficult times. Uh, she will see things differently, and you want her to, but you have to make sure that you support her in that respect. I said, because otherwise she won't be successful, and you didn't bring her there to fail. You brought her there to succeed. So make yeah. sure you follow up on that promise with her and let her know that. Wow. Yeah. Dr. Keziora, you are an amazing leader. You are the You exemplify everything that the color of leadership mm -hmm. is and what we're trying to um, make of it. Um, again, we want to just thank you. And just like Dr. White, Dr. Kizzy, you have an eye for talent. Uh, you've impacted so many people, so many leaders. Um, and I, and I just, you know, we're just really grateful to have you on our show today. And we're just, I don't know how many times I can say thank you. I say thank you to you probably a thousand times if I could. Um, but at the end of the day, we're just grateful. And um, again, we want to close out. We want to thank our audience uh, for tuning in for another um, episode of The Color of Leadership. Again, with our special guest, Dr. Martin Rex Keziorda, superintendent of Moreno Valley Unified School District, who is an amazing leader who exemplifies what, uh, what the color of leadership should be. And I'm just grateful. And I thank you, Dr. Keziorda. You are an amazing man. So I'm, I'm just, from my heart to yours, thank you. And from Dr. Butler's heart to yours, you are an amazing man. So thank yes. you, sir. It's my it's my privilege to be here. I mean, I'm, I feel so privileged that you asked me, and it really touches my heart, and it means a lot that you 
wanted to me to be here today. Thank you. Absolutely. We are honored. We are honored, sir. You're honored. Thank you so much for so your time. I, and I know you Sunday. work 24 hours around the clock, and I know you got other things you have to do. <laughs> so you have a great rest of your weekend, and I want to tell our audience, have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you so much. Dr. Rice and company is seeking to engage all interested parties in the most significant topics in the country. Exclusionary practices and the underrepresentation of leadership of those who serve the underserved. Let's talk. This is The Color of Leadership with Dr. Anthony Rice.